Hello and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I'm one of your hosts. Every week we bring you interviews with makers of all kind who identify as female or non-binary and they come from all over the world. Today's guest is Alex Simon, who is a ceramicist <laughs> and a self-described glitter queen and sparkle queen. Um, there's lots of laughing in this episode, in this conversation with Alex, and also just like lots of talk about, you know, getting real of what it's like to be an artist and running your own artist business. Um, so Alex shares her own journey and experience with that and maybe some of the stumbling blocks along the way. So really great interview. Um, before we hop on into the interview with Alex, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom Bonnie, ToolmomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support, helping to produce uh, lots of episodes, just lots of episodes and keeping the podcast going. If you would like to help keep the podcast going as well, you can check out the options available over on Patreon. That's just patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution. And over there, you'll find options that are um, supporting the podcast on a monthly basis, starting at just $1 a month. And the top tier is $5 a month. So go check that out. If you love the podcast and would like to support in just like a, an occasional uh, tip or, uh, you know, an occasional donation, uh, please follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting Revolution. Go to the link in bio there, and there's a button right there to do that. Um, so go check out those two options and help keep the podcast going. All right, with no further ado, here is Alex Simon. Cool. Um, if you're good, I mean, it's pretty much just going to be yeah. really free-flowing. So I know, <laughs> like, jump we're the... We're queer maker extroverts. Let's do this shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Game yeah. on. It's like, obviously, we'd already be friends. So, exactly. like, here we like are. Family. It's like, yeah, like, hi. See you next time I'm in Iowa. Like, That's right. Obviously. <laughs> Can't wait to meet the wife and kids. Like, That's right. Bring it on. Our dogs are already friends, I'm sure. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, well, cheers. Alex, good morning. Yes. <laughs> Um, we, uh, on the podcast, I like to start by asking guests to introduce themselves. So if you're game, let's do uh, it. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Hi, I'm Alex Simon. I use she, her pronouns. I am located in Portland, Oregon. I'm a queer extroverted Aries femme um body positive sparkle queen um 
who loves to make magic and art and community. And I love to put my, you know, my unique perspective and my unique experience into what I create and then put it out in the world. And I hope that that energy that I put into my pieces ripples out and that people get to feel that magic when they interact with my work, whether it's digitally or in person, hopefully. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is like. your brand of magic? <laughs> mm. Brand of art? Like what is your um, primary medium, I guess? My primary medium is clay. Okay. is under the ceramic umbrella, but I am very much also a sparkle queen in, um, in sequin collect. I'm a big sequin collector, um, but I also am a dazzler. So that energy of like the sparkle queen uh, persona, or really it's not a persona, it's a lifestyle, um, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> um, and we are, cause it's a podcast. Um, also creeps in my work. I've been bedazzling my pieces and I've also been you know bedazzling the world essentially um so I would say yeah my brain and magic it, it comes through in the mediums mostly of ceramics and sparkle rhinestone sequins or whatever um but it's mo my brand is mostly me and the the more authentically I can express myself the that sort of wherever it goes um whatever whatever I feel like it needs to like come out as whether it's like a sidewalk chalk mural or like a flash mob or you know a 10-foot dinosaur unicorn pinata type of paper mache installation like you know it comes it comes in all forms but lately I've been honing it in to <laughs> ceramics under the brand of make good choices. So I really want to be there for like the 10-foot like dinosaur yeah, I really yeah. Be she was epic. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of like take a step back and get the broader, totally. like, you know, what is Alex's story from like baby Alex? Like, where were you born to yeah. how did you get into the world of sparkle and ceramic? Yeah. Yeah. I can give you like the the abridged into like the more detailed of like right now. Cause like, it's a saga. It's like a, it'll be a, it'll be a short film someday, hopefully, um, or long, but basically I was, um, born during a lunar eclipse, like while it was happening, um, on a farm surrounded by midwives. Um, Excellent. It sounds like the kind of yeah. story. Like. like the astrologers have things to say about it. Let me tell you. Um, and I, I have like the hippie witch mom and like the meat and potato sports loving dad. And um, you know that didn't really work out for them. Right. Um, <laughs> no one's surprised. Um, so I spent from like my early years on a farm and, and then it kind of moved into like the suburbs of Baltimore where all my family is. And so I was like 11, grew up in like private Jewish elementary school paid for by my grandparents. And then my mom fell in love and moved me up to New Hampshire from Baltimore uh, where I basically lived from like age 11 to like 
18, which was like very like Gilmore Girls uh, set, uh, like small Ivy League town in Hanover, New Hampshire, like Dartmouth. And I kind of spent my like adolescence um, through like high school years, like in this like weird collegiate town. But my mom, the hippie witch, Julie Wolf, uh, moved us off the grid to a solar powered house. So we were like in this like mountainside you know, I'm having this like weird preppy, like New England experience, but I'm also like, be like, I can't come to school. There's literally a moose in our driveway. Um, so I ended up, um, you know, having, you know, going to the Lilith Fair and like going to the Ani DeFranco concerts in Vermont and like very much like uh, identifying as bisexual, but not really out yet, but just like always a summer camp kid, like an only child who went to camp every summer and was in all the musical theater shit and the indoor asthmatic vibe. Um, and, you know, I ended up going to college in Vermont, Southern Vermont at Bennington College, which is like basically the Hogwarts of small liberal arts schools. Like they like place you in a house based on your personality. Um, and <laughs> I went there to study psychology, but I was placed in ceramics. And during my first week in school, I was spending like every night until 2 a.m. at the ceramic studio. And I was like, fuck, we live here now. Um, so I ended up studying, you know, getting a, a degree in liberal arts with a concentration in sculpture and ceramics. And um, the school's 500 kids. We were all like real weirdos. Um, like peak weird, like isolated on a hill in Vermont, like just going for it, you know? Um, and I was still like a counselor at summer camp every year. So I like was really into community and really into the arts and like really into this like small, like intentional energy of being a weirdo and like owning it and being loud and being really accepted for like being out there because like that's like kind of what I was cultivated in um mm -hmm. in like this summer camp energy of camper to counselor and then like this small liberal arts witch college or whatever not witch college but it yeah. wasn't which it wasn't witchy it was just like the weirdos all found each other and yes we were, we were like happy about it um so basically then my life um I basically sold all my pots from my like senior year of making pots and funded a whole summer of travel across the country to figure out where I wanted to land in my adulthood and like spent the whole summer just like going from city to city and like, do I want to live here? What's up Florida Keys? Like what's up Ashland, Asheville? Like, you know, where the Chicago, LA, Sierra Nevadas, like all this, like, you know, a little whitewater rafting over here, a little city over there. And I fell in love with Portland and, um, while I was doing that trip, my witchy mother, Julie Wolf, was doing a four-month solo backpacking trip through Alaska and Canada, as one does. Right. And <laughs> I roll, hair flip, whatever. And at the end of our journeys, I was like, Mom, I'm moving to Portland. She was like, cool, I'm moving to Alaska. And I was like, cool. So we met, met back at the solar-powered house, <laughs> packed, it all, packed it all up together, and our flights were like an hour apart for like starting our new journeys. Like Alaska, the, she moved to the base of Denali. Um, and I moved to Portland, Oregon. We like cried in the airport and we're like, good luck. And um, so basically like, it was like this big journey where I was like, I'm gonna be an artist. And she was like, I'm going into the wilderness. And I was like, love you. Um, like no one's surprised, like no one. Um, 
So I landed in Portland and I got a job like immediately as a production potter at a production pottery company. Um, and I was throwing pots on the wheel, like hundreds of identical pots. And I was also trained to, in mold making from college um, and internships I did through college. So I was also making production molds for this company. I was also nannying. I was also selling pot on the side. It wasn't legal. Um, <laughs> to pay off my student loans and like hustling. And for six years um, after I moved to Portland, I was like working for multiple production pottery companies, like throwing, mold making, slip casting, like seeing all of the ways that you could kind of like run a business in clay, but mm -hmm. like as like a worker and then bike commuting all over in a bedazzled bicycle and and like figuring out what I wanted while also having a little studio on the side that was like part of a community studio that had like a little corner studio that was like making my own work <laughs> my own work was starting to develop and like over the years like my work just got better and better and I was rejected from a million craft shows like for years and then I my work started to get better like I just I put more and more time into it and you know, I started to get accepted into craft shows. I started to like, you know, take it more seriously, take social media more seriously. Like, um, and, and one thing led to another and I was like, okay, like this is kind of getting to be a thing. Also, it should be noted that for the first eight years of Portland, so I guess there was a couple years of self-employment overlap, but I was directing a queer adult summer camp every summer in Portland that sounds amazing. Like, checks out yeah <laughs> um so it that and that started growing it was like me and like 15 to 30 friends at a time being the organizers and I was camp director and we would put on this whole week of like seven to ten events a day and in Portland that was like activities or in workshops mm -hmm. for a queer adults like build community and um one big event every night so we were I was very much like that was like my pride and joy um and it was all like pay what you can like no registration mm -hmm. needed just like show the fuck up and like make a friendship bracelet you know <laughs> um so that was like a big part of my journey and and so my work started to pick up and I saved up a little chunk of money and I was like I'm quitting my jobs I'm going all in like make good choices and it was already my instagram handle like for years like it was like my personal handle but you know there's always ceramics in it so yeah. it was like an easy transition and um not easy god yes. <laughs> nothing in self-employment is actually easy um but i mean sometimes but you know what i mean um so i entered self-employment um this I'm entering right now, I'm in my seventh year right now. Okay. So I've been in Portland for 12 years or like it's gonna be my 13th year. So yeah, so I entered self-employment and like I was still in like production pottery mode from working for these like minimalist right. ceramics brands. And so I was making all these things. I was selling these mugs for 30 bucks. I was like trying to like make it work and piece it all together. And I was saying yes to every commish and like every gallery and wholesale and just like hustling like I was like still a scrappy you mm -hmm. know doing all the things and then um I the one of the biggest things that changed my life and I'll talk about her for fucking ever is I met my uh I met a long-term Instagram friend crush who I knew I would be friends with um Katie Marks who's another Seattle artist on Instagram mm -hmm. love you Katie um and we met she came to an event that I threw called gay for clay 
like you can't make that shit up I've always been me you know um and she was like I'm like we I'd been following her for years you know and I was like ugh, upset I'm like I know we're already friends like even though we're not friends I'm trying not to creep you out but like I know that this is a thing that's going to be a thing but like I was like really trying to play it cool like you don't even know I was like so cool um like hey so yeah um and so we get to talking she's at my event at the bar next to my house you know and she's like you know you're you are so like energetic and sparkly and fun and like everything why isn't your work like that right now and it was like white with like a brown decal and like a little accent of gold and like selling for 30 bucks you know and I was like I was like I don't have the audience to spend the money on my shit so I'm afraid that like if I really go all in and make my work as loud as I am no one's gonna buy it no one's gonna be able to afford it no one's gonna blah 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 and she was like fuck it like she was she was basically like stop saying yes to everything you don't want to do like no galleries no wholesale no um customs like no boring art she's like make your best shit ever sell it for what you want to sell it for see what happens and I was like (laughs) and I did and and like and there's more to it than that obviously but like that was like a really like pivotal moment for me um and I had been working up to that already but also like having her be like you know like who are you why isn't this you right you know right and so um I spent the next year kind of doing that and we FaceTimed every night for like an hour and like (laughs) became like unfathomably best friends like she was in Seattle she later moved to Portland to be near me um (laughs) and now we see each other every day and we FaceTime every day still so but basically um I my work got way better and um and I took the photography and the social media shit way more seriously and I just like went all in and I stopped saying yes I stopped saying yes to anything that wasn't a hard yes like literally no customs no wholesale I was in like four galleries like no galleries like no anything unless I was getting paid 100% for my work like I wasn't giving anyone else my money anymore for Mm -hmm. like you know I'll give my money to accountants or like whatever but um and and my work took off and people started to like dive in for it and they started to like compete for it and they started it started to sell so much faster than it ever had before at like a lower price point because it was so much more interesting and it was so much more authentic and they were like oh my god I want a piece of like your magic and this is your magic and like or like I want the essence Mm -hmm. of Alex Simon and this is the essence of Alex Simon and they were like and it's worth it and I was like yeah it's and so like it just like was like this cyclical like yeah I want to put my best work out there and you should want to pay the most money for it because that'll bring you joy too and you want to support me and I want to make you happy and like here we are and my inhaler pipes used to be $22 and now they're like 160 um and my mugs used to be 32 and now they're like you know 110 to 400 dollars um and and now I have to be like how and I have to be like how because like I'm listening to that story in that like pivot moment right and like I feel like at least I feel like I had a similar pivot moment like not that like terribly long ago where it's just like actually it came with COVID and it was like people are asking me to make them like they're trying to support me and they're asking me to make them stuff that I like I find no joy, (laughs) none in making. And so I was like, 
no, I'm not going to. And I was like, and like my job job at the start of COVID was like, went down to nothing. So I'm like, okay, I can either just like sit on the couch and be mortified, like be terrified, you know, by the lack of money, (laughs) or I can like still have that mindset, but go and just make whatever the fuck I want to make out in the garage. And like, I did that. And, you know, I have had people respond, but it's still like, I don't know. I always struggle with the, like, finding the audience that wants. Yes. It's about finding your people that connects to your shit. And it does. The thing is like this, my story is like really exciting and enthusiastic, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, like, like it, it didn't happen all at once. Like in every year has been growing. Like Mm -hmm. the first two years, like I can tell you where the food banks are in my neighborhood, you know? And like, I didn't have to ask anyone for money, which was like a blessing, but I keep my expenses low and I prioritize paying off my student loans. And I did, um, hair flip forever, my biggest (laughs) life accomplishment. Um, but yeah, it, it, I feel like Instagram, especially and TikTok makes it look like I did this thing. I was successful on the internet and now I have everything. And it's like, (laughs) bitch, no, um, (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, it's like, you have to always be easy on yourself because it's, it's a journey. Um, and it's not, it's not a everything at once, but like what I realized in this is like doing those custom orders that you don't want to do or doing like the things that bring you, like take the life out of you takes away your energy to make the things that are going to make you take off, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I'll only do those things for the people I love. Like, I'm only going to do that fucking custom mug with the baby's footprint in gold (laughs) for my friends, Megan and Cheryl, who tried to have a baby as a gay partnership for six years. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna do it when like, I'm like, okay, this is like, right. Yeah. And, and I think that there's finding a balance in it, especially when you're like, okay, it's not happening all at once. Like it's not, I don't trust in it to support me fully. Like I have bills to pay. Like there's, there's a balance. Um, but it's always like checking back with yourself. Like, is it enough that I'm have the time to make that epic table? That's 100% going to go viral. 100% going to sell for $6,000, 100% going to like, you know, or whatever, Um, you know, um, And so now like I will make, when I do a, I make a batch. And one of the cool things that I do now that I, that I also learned from Katie um, was working forwards, not backwards. Like I'll make a batch of work. I'll spend like one to five, six months on it, depending on if it's the holoclays or not. And then it's like, what I make is what's available and you can't pre-order. You can't made no made to order like what you see is what I have um and that takes a lot of stress off of me to feel like I'm on someone else's deadline and in ceramics there's like a lot of chance for fuck-ups and failures and you know having things not work out so Mm -hmm. if I feel like I owe someone 10 identical mugs and I have to make 14 just in case like no I'd rather like make 14 mugs and if four of them don't work out I sell them as seconds another time and I'm not stressed. Yeah. Um, so it's finding what works for you and your medium and like having the bread and butter pieces that you know will sell and have those like leap of faith pieces maybe that like, mm-hmm. you know, it bring in the eyeballs or might bring in the money or it's finding your audience. Like when people, when I find my people that like connect with my shit, like the queer asthmatic stoners that find my <laughs> inhaler pipes or like the gay Jews that are like a rainbow menorah, you know, or like the like 
Oh my God. The endometriosis. Like, I don't have endometriosis, yeah. but like the endometriosis, like queer community somehow found my Hitachi pipes and like lost their minds. Like, and I was like, what a joy, you know? And like, like when I, I'm like, oh, thank you. And it's like, when you find your people, right? hopefully some of them have money. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it doesn't happen overnight and it's like a hustle forever and you have to be your biggest advocate and you have to like be your number one fan because no one's going to promote your shit like you will, you know, that is true. Um, <laughs> like my best friends really try, but like, yeah. and like my dog, she gives a good head tilt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, you know, and there's a couple different I have before I move on in the question I really want to ask I, I want to ask about the no galleries mm. because like especially so like it feels like okay you found you now so mm -hmm. like maybe before when you were in galleries like you weren't that wasn't you in that work that you were like showing there it was me at the time you know or like it was like <laughs> me becoming what I am now um sorry finish your question <laughs> Like, or is it like now that like you've really like you've got all the sparkle in it like do you see yourself going back to gallery gallery spaces at all no um I mean I think that if I how do I phrase this as eloquently as I want to say it um I think my reach is bigger than what galleries have to offer me now and I, I don't think that they could promote my work like I can. And I don't mind shipping my work. I think that you have to find what parts of the business you want to involve yourself in. Because it's like, if you're like, wow, I love making my work, but I don't want to deal with customers. I don't want to deal with shipping. I don't want to promote it. And I don't want to deal with like ABCD that comes after the making part. Mm -hmm. then like galleries can be awesome because they deal with the people and the shipping and the promotion and the whatever. And then sometimes it's really worth it for you to, to pay them half, you know, right. or whatever they're taking. Um, and, and if you don't have the eyeballs looking at your stuff, like if you're like, not, if you haven't built your social media or you haven't built your, whatever your mailing list or whatever, mm -hmm. blah, 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 then like galleries can be the thing. And it works for so mm -hmm. many people, but I make really fragile shit. And so the, the, the whole act of shipping fragile shit twice, you know, like shipping things to galleries and then right. having them have to ship it, um, is that's like one other thing, but more, more of it. It's like, I don't want any, I love interacting with customers. Like I love shipping, like, not like I don't love shipping, right. <laughs> but I love the control of, and like, I, when you get a package from me, it's like, it's, it's an experience. Cause like my tape is rainbow and branded and everything is wrapped in tissue paper with like sparkle fringes, like garnishes <laughs> on garnishes. And like, I, you know, I've, my friends are graphic designers and they've really helped me turn my turn, like my thank you cards into something that feels really special. And like, so for me, I feel like shipping it is like a step in my process, mm -hmm. but for other people, like galleries can be really helpful because they know how to ship everything, you know? And so it, it just depends on what part of the business you want to be involved in. And in like in a, for a bajillion people, like it's, it's really great. 
but now I have this like autonomous thing with my work where I'm like, you know, call in the friends, we call in the assistants, we call in the blah, 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 and like make it happen and, and make it fun. And, you know, and what I love is I'm, I work in batches now. So when I, I sell, when I have like a batch for sale and I do I have a batch for sale next week on Thursday, um, I like make it, I promote it for a week or so. And then I have a launch date and then I pray that a lot of it will sell. Right. And I've, I've never had a full sellout of a shop update, but like, it's like one of my biggest goals. Um, and, but I, you know, I'll sell a lot and then I'll ship for like, I'll have my shop open for like a week after and I'll ship every single order that comes in as fast as I can. And then when I'm wrapping up shipping, I shut down my shop and I say, maybe I'll open it for another week or like, you know, we'll see how, what mm -hmm. I have going on next. But I give myself a time limit for shipping. I'm like, okay, everything that sells by this date gets shipped out and everything else, you can't buy it anymore. And then that will wait until the next shop update or like when friends come in from out of town or customers want to shop in person, like I have things for them. Mm -hmm. And that feels like a really good cycle because I spend so much time shipping with garnishes and tissue paper and bubble wrap and packing peanuts and specialty <laughs> tape and a handwritten note. Like it's like a whole, the whole mishpucha, pardon my Yiddish. Um, it, to, to ship one package will take 45 minutes out of my day, but to right. ship 200 packages will take, you know, three days to a week and then I'm done. So back to the gallery shit like it depends on what you want to take on you know because it's not just shipping it's also customer service and mm -hmm. you know that like some one to five people always write their wrong address in because they're you know they can't do it um or etc right. um i had a customer write the wrong uh, country on her package recently and and it was you know the stress of like shopping a like a sale it's selling out or like you know selling yes. fast but you know that package went to Panama and we're hoping it comes back to her you know and and like like we're it's, it's my favorite piece from the whole holiday collection so like I'm like in tears hoping you know um so yeah that's my gallery answer is like it just depends on what you do and what you don't want to take on and there's can, merit in I both. I can see that I mean I'm um I haven't really shown in a gallery yet mm -hmm. um I have potential one coming up soon but it's a gallery like that is part of a business that does very similar things to me so like to me the there's a potential payout of like you've already groomed customers who are looking for stuff like what I make yeah. um, and so to me I'm like there's a higher likelihood that somebody's gonna buy something yeah mine in that space it's also like if you have a high-end piece that's been sitting around you know, that's not moving otherwise that you're like, yeah, I could pay you, you know, a fraction of this cost right. for you to move it. And like, and I don't have to ship it and I don't have to deal with people. I'm not saying you don't want to deal with people, right. but like, right. you know, you're like, there's like a point where it's worth it, you know, yeah. where like, if I have like a couple really high end pieces that I refuse to discount, you know, and mm -hmm. if a gallery was like, you know, you can have, we'll take 30%. I'd be like, let's see what happens. And I would up the price. Right. And I would give it to them, you know? Right. And so, so like, you know, there is no, that and is there's also some weird cloud like, that comes with it, you know? No, I mean, that's something with, that I actually do. And I learned because when I first got really kind of started as a business, I like beat the pavement in my local area and went to like interior designer spaces. And I was like, that had showrooms and I was like, Hey, are you looking for local artists? Blah, blah, blah. You know? And so I like teamed up with one 
and she was like she took 30 percent commission Mm -hmm. and that was like my first time of ever dealing like I've never been part of this world type thing and so I was like okay but she right out the gate she's like okay so here's how you do it you figure out what you want to get from it yeah and then add 30 percent on top yep and And then think about taxes (laughs) and then you have to think about taxes and you have to think about like there's so many other things and like the whole financial aspect of running a business is like such a mental decathlon. Like when you're a maker and you're like, Oh wait, now I have to, yeah, this is, this is my first year in my business where I now have a team of people that deal with my finances. Sorry, let me slow motion hair flip. Yes. Um, I, and, and it's still like kind of coming together, but, and it's very new, but I, I now have like a tax, uh, like, and they're all women. It's like a tax mm-hmm. creative tax person, or they've expanded mm-hmm. tax team. And I now have a financial planner and I now have a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's like a lot, a lot of different facets because now I have two assistants and neither of them are full-time, but it's still a thing, you know? Right. Um, and, and I'm not, I, it's like, you're learning, like I've learned that the things that are really important that I, that I don't have the time or the skills or the, the will to learn how to do, mm-hmm. it's like so awesome to be able to throw money at it and know that it will be done right. And that like, if the IRS ever came for me, I could be like, please consult my bookkeeper, right? Consult my tax person, right. you know, like they've got it, you yes. know, and like, like, yes, that sequin gown was a write-off. I modeled in it on Instagram. Right. I used it as a backdrop for product photography. <laughs> Bitch, I needed it, you know, right. like it's wild because I am my brand in such a hard way. Like my pieces are about me. I'm about my pieces. We're so, we're like so integrated that like my life is kind of a write-off <laughs> and and I'm like, I accidentally bought a hundred dollars of edible glitter at two in the morning on my phone as I was falling asleep. And I was, and as I fall asleep in the phone, so in my hand, I go, I needed it, you know? And it's yeah. like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> who is she? And then yesterday or the day before yesterday, I was doing a photo shoot for my Valentine's clay line. And we, I like made this like huge strawberry platter. Oh wait, I'll show you. It's like in reaching distance. And I was brushing these real strawberries with pink edible glitter as like a prop the strawberry platter I love it um, and the the hearts the, oh yes their yes. hearts in 22 karat gold and I was like oh Jamie should I like put edible glitter on all these strawberries and she's like yeah go get it right now and I was like yes. you know um so yeah it's it's just like wild to learn how to like deal with the money that comes with running a small business and like where does it go and how, what do you impulse spend it on in the name of the business and and then it's like yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I, I like can I kind of like I cannot wait until I like get to give somebody else some of this stuff that I don't want to do and like pay somebody else for it. Um, but right now it's like legit. It's like step one, be able to pay myself. Step yes. two like, yes. is the other stuff. So it's like, you got to kind of, well, you're still in year one of self-employment, like full self-employment, right? Or year two. I'm not even in, no, I'm not in full, Are you full? self-employment. So. Um, I'm going to send you all the things you'll need for a balloon drop when you take the leap fully, because Woo-hoo. I just got the fixings <laughs> for your own, my own balloon drop. And let me tell you, 10 out of 10 worth the investment on giving yourself a balloon drop because like, I'd like you to DM me when you take the leap and like, bitch, I'm sending you a balloon drop because you have no idea how satisfying that is. Um, And someday you're going to take that leap. It's amazing. (laughs) 
Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. Um, I, I think that you will take that leap if that's in what you really want. And the thing that me and my friends who are also like in the self-employment hustle say to each other and we say to friends who want to get there is like, you can do it, but you have to just work really hard. You know, you have to want it. You have to want it more than almost anything. You know, you have to just like, uh, you, it's, you have to like eat, sleep and breathe it in this way that like you almost never expected. You can't really disconnect from it ever. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like that viral TikTok audio. That's like, I didn't want a nine to five. So I started a business and now I work 24 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like in bed editing videos at 2am. <laughs> literally me last night my girlfriend's asleep and I'm like editing video content of making this fucking strawberry platter and I was like shh yeah bless yes (laughs) oh I get it oh yeah oh my god Katie yeah I love it obviously I mean from your backstory you've always been like creative um and kind of like into it right um has it been a struggle to learn like about the business side of it yeah yeah it's been that's I mean that's been one of the hardest things because it's not intuitive at all Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I took a business class the first year that I decided to be self-employed, me and my friend Lee, who we took the leap together. He's a treehouse builder. Um, we took a business class that was like really affordable. Um, and we learned so much. And my ex-girlfriend is an accountant. So she really helped me like so much, so much, so much. And like did my accounting for like, you know, mm-hmm. the years when we were together and I was self-employed. Um and, but it's just, you know, it's like, I fuck up all the time. And I, it's just about like realizing that the learning curve is like never done. And like the more your business grows, the more there is to learn and the more there is to fuck up. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't come naturally. I'm, I think Portland especially is really, really special because there's so many of us in this hustle, in this like kind of small community. And we do a lot of the same shows together. I'm not vending anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But when I was in the vending scene, like all the like all the small business owners that I interacted with are like the most supportive community over competition energy in like the whole world. And so there was like always a lot of like women in business meetups and like, you know, like mm-hmm. DMing of like, hey, how'd you deal with this random kind of customer? Like, how do you deal with this random tax, blah, blah, blah. Or like, um, we're all kind of in it in different levels and different stages. And 
it's been, I think like feeling supported by other makers, especially in the ceramic scene in Portland, which is like really abundant, um, has been awesome. It's like infinite tears have been shed, but also I feel really supported. So mm-hmm. I never feel like the learning is done, but I, it's cool when I talk to people that are just starting out or like just blah, blah, then that's when I realize how much I've learned mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I'm flailing a lot all the time. And then I'll like get, I'll like learn something and be like, yeah, I can do this. Like I know how to categorize that expense on QuickBooks. Right. Easy. That's cogs, cost of goods, bitch, right. you know? And like, and then I think I've been, and then I like walk around like I invented business. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I figured out how to light this one piece in this product photography from underneath. And I did invent photography. Yes. I said that to, to my photographer, Jamie, the other day, I was like, look at this. Like, what if we light it from this? And she was like, wow, brilliant. And I was like, thank you. You know? So it's, it's like, it's, it's like, you're going to keep fucking up always, but it's about doing it more gracefully, you know, and, or like realizing it and not like learning from it and like moving on. Um, yeah, it's, business is hard and it is. And to juggle being a maker and the business owner and the marketer and like <laughs> All the customer the service person <laughs> and your little shipping department and, and, and yeah. is like bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it's this last two years, especially has really been cool because I've started to feel like this could be a forever thing. Mm. Like, I feel like I've passed this one, this hump where I feel like I'm in full chaos all the time (laughs) to like knowing kind of like what the cycles are of the Mm -hmm. chaos. And then I can like anticipate I'm going to have a hard time here. Like I need to prep for this. And then it doesn't mean that it still won't be chaos, but like, you know, it'll mean that like, I, I can look at it and be like, taxes are hard so I'm gonna like dedicate this time to feel out of control instead of being like I'm out of control and so is everything else you know um yeah that's where I mean it it sounds I mean agreed like I've been running my business you know as a side hustle for five years and so at first and I still think it is like I didn't do you want it to be full-time is that the um, goal is full-time the goal for you? Yes, that is okay. absolutely the goal. Cool. Full-time plus being able to employ others um, and specifically like women, non-binary, trans, people of color, like basically just not a white cis male. This like, <laughs> like yeah. anybody else but that is who I want to be able to employ. But yeah, um, I've so it, I was surprised at like, there are levels about the business that I enjoy learning, like just because it's not something, like you said, it's not intuitive. It's not something I ever took classes in or anything like that. So it's all learning. But what you said about the, like, you learn a thing and then it's like still another struggle. I, to me, that sounds like parenting. It's like every age <laughs> you have a kid at, it's like, it's really hard. And then you just master like how to deal with that, like, age-specific thing going on and then it's their birthday and then you have a new like age-specific thing to deal with um so do you find that it's like really hard to run your business and be a parent like do you think that they like conflict with each other or like do you find that I think 
I think actually because like I didn't start my business until after my second was born. So, but I think what it taught me, I always thought I was really good at multitasking. I'm like way better at multitasking. Like now <laughs> uh, the parenthood part taught me the the like serious multitasking mm-hmm. um I would say where it competes is I've learned to have to put boundaries so that I can still feel like a good parent and a good wife so like you know up until dinner time yes I can like I'm on my phone checking things interacting on social media answering questions blah 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 but like as soon as dinner time hits and then basically for the rest of the evening I'm not you're present yeah I'm present with them and in the first few years that wasn't the case like I was constantly on my phone and I mean it just yeah it doesn't create the best home atmosphere Mm -hmm. um and sometimes it still creeps in and I know it creeps in, you know, when my kids are like, mom, you're always on your phone. And they always have to put that inflection in their voice too, of course. Um, my dog will knock my phone out of my hand sometimes. <laughs> there you go. It's similar. Same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> mine's, my kids just come and take the phone and then start like making their own videos. And that's always fun to find later on on the phone. <laughs> I'm definitely at that point where I'm like, thinking about having kids and I'm like, can I, could I do both? Like my business is really like my number one in this way, but I'm like, if I get to a certain point where like I can delegate certain things and like there's passive income in these certain ways or like whatever, like, like Patreon and apparel line, like (laughs) merch, more merch. I don't know. Like, would I be able to turn my phone off at, you know, at dinner time or like, would I be able to like, um, be present like that. And so I'm int- I, I am always interested in asking other makers that live that like yeah. dual, uh, attention span. And I have like peak ADHD, um, like even on medication. I would say like, honestly, like the making part of it outside of like the business part of it, the making part of it makes me a better, just makes me a better person. Like if I'm not creating, I'm not fun to be around. So mm-hmm. like, same. So I have to be, have that creative world. And also I think at first I felt like really guilty about it. Cause when I started my business, like my kids were super young, like three and a half and one, you know, they were like little. Um, but then I realized like, I'm also showing them like when you're super passionate about it, yeah, it still requires a lot of work to your point. Like it requires a lot of work. And so I'm doing this and like showing them that, yes, it's a lot of work. And it's also showing them things that in a world that they're growing up with, like my oldest, you know, he's eight and a half and he's like constantly, like basically my social media, like advice giver, you know, he's like, this is how you should do it when you do it on YouTube. And this is how you should do it for your podcast. Love him. (laughs) (laughs) He's a write off. Who said that? (laughs) So, I mean, you know, and then like in my youngest, my daughter, like she spent it on the weekends. If I'm making, like, she wants to come help me out in the shop. And I, so then that's like, that is actual quality time. Does it take me longer to get all that stuff done? Yes. Um, But it's also time for like her and I to have a chit chat and her to talk about being like, you know, a pop star woodworker. How old is she? she? Uh, 
Uh, she just turned uh, six, actually, you know, Tuesday this week. So those are fun ages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, monster ages. They all yes. are, though. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend well, think- um, has neighbor kids that are those ages. And like yeah. every time I walk out of her house, they literally like run out of their house to see me and at, like beg to play with my dog. And it's like, now it's this point where if my dog sees them out the window, she's like hysterically sobbing to be with them. And I'm like, what have we become? Oh my God. Yeah. So I know those ages and they're like <laughs> the best. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I think you do it is just a, uh, you make it happen. Like you just figure it out. Right. And, and just like with your business. Yeah. Figure it out as you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Learn it as you go. Now, I've had a few ceramicists on the podcast um, and learning about that kind of world. Um, you went to school, you learned about it in school, but do you feel like you learned like more about it after school, like really got into it after school? I learned a ton about the technical aspects of ceramics in okay. school. Like I, I definitely got my money's worth, um, from my education, education. Um, yeah, I went to like the third most expensive school in the country at the time. Um, like just liberal art, blah, blah, blah. I was on a huge, like the majority of it was financial aid. Um, so I was really lucky and me and my, both my parents and I all walked away with student loans. Um, but thank you, mom and dad and me, and we all paid them off in 10 years and we did it. Um, but yeah, I, I learned the most technical things from my education. And then one of the cool things about Bennington College is that every year they send every single student out to the world for six weeks during like the coldest time in Vermont for like January 1st to February 15th um, to go do an internship in, their, in your field. And you can like apply for money from the school to like get mm-hmm. funded to go places and do cool shit. So every year I went and like learned about a different aspect of ceramics or like ceramic business or being an artist, like I worked at a clay art center doing gallery shit and like making glazes, teaching classes. And I worked on an island in the Keys and like learned about making four foot tall tandoor ovens for Indian food restaurants. And like I worked in Kansas City with like a decal artist and a mold maker. And so I, during those years, I was like trying to figure out like what facet of clay like I wanted to be in on, whether it was like production or so the community aspect or like Mm -hmm. business or what. Um, So that was like where I learned like a lot of the nitty gritty and like answered a lot of my questions about like what my life could look like in clay. And then when I was in Portland, I really got deep in what would it be like to do production in a business? Um, Mm -hmm. So it was less about like, I had the skills, so I was very hireable. Um, But then I saw what the lives were like of the people that were running the businesses that I was working for. And that was what like kind of blew my mind um, and taught me what I did and didn't want also, because I like knew I wanted to be in clay and I knew I wanted to make my own shit. But after working at these like bigger production pottery companies, you know, some of them only had like, when I started working for one company, it was just me and the owner, but then it grew and grew and grew. And then, you know, I was one of five, six, seven employees. Mm -hmm. And then this other company, I was like one of 30 employees or something. And, and I learned that the owner 
once you get to a certain point in business, stops being able to make the pieces Mm -hmm. and starts spending their days in front of the computer and like becomes a manager or like becomes the person that's like talking to all the vendors or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is not what I want. Um, I never want to get to a point where my business is so big that I am disconnected from the pieces and my hands aren't on every single thing, at least in some way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess like the technical stuff I learned in school, but the, the like, and the sort of like umbrella of like, what do I want out of this business like happened post-college. And now I'm kind of like, I decided this last year that I don't want my ceramics business to grow anymore. Um, that the amount of pieces I'm making is where I'm kind of going to stay and that I need at least two to three days in the studio alone to work and like be my own brand of weird and creative. And I need a couple days where I have an accountability buddy and extra hands to do the things that like, I don't need to be standing for five hours anymore. Like I don't need to be, there's like things that my body doesn't want to do. And there's things that like I can delegate and it's okay. Um, and my friends, my assistants are really skilled. So like I can trust them with things that I don't need to do like doing certain mold making things or whatever Mm -hmm. casting or whatever um but I would rather make pieces that are way always getting better and that Mm -hmm. they're getting more expensive than become like a factory or have to move into a bigger space because my production is growing or like yeah like shipping 300 boxes during the holiday season is like we're cool like that's enough um (laughs) That's fine. You know, like when you roll up to the post office with like two Honda pilots or whatever, full of boxes, you're like, we're going to just call it here. Like yeah. this is, <laughs> this is enough. Um, so I would rather, yeah, I want to stay where I'm at and then find a way to like, um, grow my brand in other ways because I'm so multifaceted, uh, that I can like see, make a choice as being other facets of me and still being really authentic. Like not having to like touch every single piece for months during like 40 different stages of the ceramic process. Because my pieces, like I know you've you've talked to other ceramic artists, but um, my pieces go through four kiln firings on average. Like there's a bisque, there's a glaze, there's a gold firing, and then often there's a mother of pearl firing. Um, and those all melt at different temperatures. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's usually maybe, or not usually, there's sometimes a bedazzling or there's like, and then every, the bottom of all of my pieces now gets sanded with 60, 120, 220, 400. Uh-huh. Um, every single piece gets sanded to 400 with a wet sanding process at the very end. So like, it's like as silky as like, you know, you could put on your most tender mahogany wood or whatever, there's like mm-hmm. the softest wood and it like will never show a trace, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I want these pieces to feel like a gift to yourself and in mm-hmm. like every way you interact with it. So and to be able to stay at that high quality, I need to like not become a factory, you know? Right. Yeah. So that was a big tangent from your question. No, that's fine. That's fine. I like, I just want to, I guess, ask one question before we like wrap it up. But yeah. And that is like, as a business owner in this space, is it common to be to to be a woman who owns the business aspect in this space being like the ceramic like oh yeah I think yeah I I think um 
common to be a business owner as a woman? I would say yes, but I would say in general, the field of ceramics, especially in higher education, is still very um, white, cis, male dominated um, in terms of like, the people that are teaching, the people that are getting the most attention, the people that are, are not necessarily on the internet, but like in the highest level of recognition um, in like the ceramic conferences or the, yeah. um, the award-winning blah, blah, blahs. Um, yeah. And there's, there's some big movements, um, happening in the community to like call people out on misogyny in the ceramics community and, um, problematic shit that goes on. Um, but in general, I don't feel like, um, that we're lacking in women that are thriving in clay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I feel really empowered when I see other women doing it and I see a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I think there's, you know, there's problematic shit everywhere and all we can do is keep like trying to work on making it better and supporting survivors and supporting people that mm -hmm. need it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's all kind of revolutionary to just be out and proud as like a queer artist business, you know, always. And, right. and I think that that the biggest thing is inspiring others to do it. And mm -hmm. if you are like living loud and being like, you can do it. I did it. It's hard. But like, you know, people, <laughs> right. I think the biggest thing is how hard are you willing to work? Mm -hmm. Like, are you willing to do the work? Because this shit's a lot of work. Like the ceramics is a lot of work. Um, I mean, any, any maker field, but but damn, um, and it's not cheap making my, it's, it's really expensive to make what I make. Um, my, my cost of goods is really high. Uh, cause I have expensive taste in every direction, um, but yeah. Clearly edible glitter. So <laughs> listen, Katie, I have over 80 sequin gowns. So like, and that's just the dresses. Like that's not jumpsuits. That's not shirts. That's not pants. That's not like, it's a, that's not figure skater leotards. Um, so I, and more is more. Um, <laughs> but it's really a dream of mine to, to have a sequin dress uh, facet of my business at some point, um, whether it's vintage or like a subscription where I like can have- I'm gonna be made. sending you yeah. like an account that I'm gonna, I'll, I'll check in advance to see if you already follow them. So is it Fringe & Co? Yes. Yeah, Kelsey and our friends. Are we're you? actually, we're actually twins. Um, We're actually, uh, <laughs> someone tagged me in one of her photos or tagged her in one of mine and I like found her and I like all caps yelled at her in her inbox like intensely. I was like, we're the same person. And then she came to Portland two weeks later somehow for business. And we like looked at each other and we were like, and then I was like, I have an Australian shepherd. And she was like, I have an Australian shepherd. And I was like, my girlfriend's a construction worker. And she was like, my girlfriend's a construction worker. And I was like, my mom's a nurse. She's like, my mom's a nurse. And I was like, I'm the face of my business. And she's like, I'm the face of my business. And, 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 and I was like, I don't have any tattoos. And she was like, I don't have any tattoos. And we were like, oh my God. Oh my God. And we like called her mom. We were like, did you have another daughter? And I was like, I don't think I'm related to my mom. And and, um, and then we hung out for 12 hours and we put edible glitter in each other's champagne and we like made content in the Rose Garden and like matching outfits and like we like heart bonded and um, when I, I'm going to go to NOLA at some point this year and we're going to throw a gay pride party in her warehouse so please come. Um, yeah so yeah I know Kelsey. <laughs> Fine. 
<laughs> it's fine. Uh, like, we both bought a thousand dollars worth of each other's products this year. <laughs> <laughs> like we basically just send money back and forth. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm her biggest fan. She's my biggest fan. It's really special. Yeah, I I love watching her business like suit it super took off from that. It, point. It's exploded. Yeah. yeah, she she's a huge inspiration. Um, and she since she does outsource like um the making of her main products, not like her hair wraps mm-hmm. or like some other things, she's able to do a lot of things with her business that I really wish I had time to do. Um, mm-hmm. like she's able to, she's on top of a lot of aspects of her business that like are huge goals of mine. Um, but like, I kind of tap out at a certain point of like, just getting, like making sure my QuickBooks look good and making sure that like, (laughs) I can like, you know, do certain things, but like, she's, she's such a powerhouse and she's like, she's definitely like 12 notches above me in terms of like some business things that I can't wait to say that I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, we, and that's so cool to feel like I have this like sparkle queen counterpart in Nola that I just like cherish like so deeply. And, um, when we're together, we're like, whoa. Um, yeah, it's so cool that you would bring her up because I'm like, yeah, duh. And it's, that's really fun because the amount of people that tag us in each other's shit is like really Enjoy. wild. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's really heartwarming. Um, cause we're both just like, an honor. It's an honor. Yes. Thank you so much. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I guess wonderful. I shouldn't have even had to ask. I should just be like, well, of course they know each other. Um. Yeah. But it, it, you should always ask, you know, like it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, <sighs> Alex, we are at the end of our time together. So I want to give you a chance to let people know how to find you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at make good choices. One word, obviously. Um, and you can find my website at make good choices or at make good choices shop.com. Okay. And then my TikTok, which is like my newly exploding blah, 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 uh, is also make good choices shop. One word. Um, and I'll I would say find that you on TikTok, then. please do. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my shit gets taken down because I make a lot of pipes, but sometimes it doesn't. And then we're happy. Um, yeah. And I would say Instagram is the best place to find me because that's where I'm most active. And I update my website with new work every couple months or this year I started work for working for the Holoclays in late June. So I, I didn't have anything available until December, November and December. Uh, so yeah, Instagram is the best place to find me. And I actually, I don't know when this podcast goes live. So I'm like, is it worth it to say I have a shop update next Thursday? Unsure. Uh, <laughs> that Valentine's clay lie, line goes live on Thursday, February 3rd. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Maybe someday on a mailing list, maybe someday on a Patreon, maybe someday <laughs> in some places that I, I really need to be on. But right now, Instagram. all in time, all in good time. <laughs> yeah, one day, one day, all clay, every clay, yeah. all gay, every gay. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been really fun. Yeah, and uh, let me know if when you do uh, take the leap into full time and I owe you a balloon drop. Oh, I definitely will let you know for sure. Please. (laughs) And, you know, oh, and then if, I guess one other thing, if you want to see the most exciting thing about 
my internet presence, um, I would say go to my website, make a choice of shop and go to the tab that's called studio music videos. And every year I make <laughs> a really wild studio music video um, to promote my holiday season. And you will see every year for like the last five years, those videos, and they are hysterical and fun and silly and sparkly. Are they like Todrick Hall level or? Um... <laughs> They're like, every year is a little different, but you know, I wear between five and 10 sequin outfits and I'm mm -hmm. dancing through the studio doing different stages of the ceramic process. Amazing. Um, and also there's really usually an element of, oh my God, did you actually do that? Like two years ago, I, I burst in out of my 40 gallon uh, slip tank full of like liquid porcelain uh, with a swimming cap, uh, just like covered in clay. And then this year we reenacted the scene from Flashdance Maniac. And I Wonderful. had <laughs> six gallons of clay poured on me in slow motion, um, which I'm still recovering from health wise. Um, I basically got waterboarded with casting slip. So I highly recommend those videos because it's where I'm like, let's go. Like nothing's <laughs> off limits. Let's get weird for the sake of the studio music video. That's right. So that's, <laughs> that is, that's not really like a promotion. It's more like, if you want to smile, like that's where I really uh, get creative uh, awesome. cinematically. Yeah. I specifically include the link to that in the show notes so people you, can find yes. that. <laughs> and I hope you watch the this year's video uh, maniac because it's four minutes long which is long for me but there's a surprise ending featuring Sade so it's Ooh. worth it. <laughs> I'll just say two words smooth moperator. Okay. <laughs> Hope you watch that. I hope you DM me after you watch that, Katie. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. It's been really fun. Yes, been a blast. And uh, all right, so again, that was Alex Simon, and I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her and see her work, especially to check out her latest um, shop music video that she did before this last uh, holiday season. So um, I'll include all those links in the show notes for the episode. Best place to look for that and find that is first check the description for the episode in your podcast app. If you happen to be watching this on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, then just check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find all the goodies there for this episode, as well as all the past episodes. Again, please be sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And while you're there, you can come on over and say hi to me, because uh, when I am not interviewing and producing podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and home decor at freemanfurnishings.com and at freemanfurnishings on social media. I am most active though on Instagram and secondly, TikTok and both places um, that is Freeman Furnishings. So come on over and say hi. And as while you're over there, also check out my co-host's um, Instagram, Katie Thompson's Instagram of uh, at Women of Woodworking and support her project as well. All right, so 
end of a week. Next week, bring you two brand new episodes. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, they, they got something.